Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox, and I am happy to be back with you now in the month of October. How time flies. It's getting colder, the leaves are changing color, and I have another spectacular guest for you today. But before we get to the interview, please do me a huge favor and head over to iTunes or whatever podcast app you use and give the Bandroom Podcast a rating or even a review. This really helps get the word out to others. If you are a music educator in Ontario, or a musician for that matter, you most definitely know today's guest. Even if you don't live in Ontario, you probably know her. An award-winning music educator, a long-time music teacher at Barry North, adjudicator and clinician extraordinaire, past president of the Ontario Music Educator Association, author and chair of the concert band division for Music Fest Canada, Mrs. Sharon Fitzsimmons. I first met Sharon when we were both adjudicating at the Collingwood Regional Music Festival a number of years ago, and her passion for music education was evident from our first meeting. Sharon has done and continues to do a lot for Ontario and Canada's music education field. She has a heart of gold, is fearless in her pursuit of excellence, and is an example to me and many other music educators of the teacher that we should try to be, or as you'll hear in this episode, more generally, the person that we should try to be. If you're a music student, music educator, a professional musician, or just someone who really enjoys music, there will be something for you in this interview. So, without further ado, Mrs. Sharon Fitzsimmons. I'm very excited because today's band room uh, much like last bandroom, it's not a bandroom at all, but I'm coming to you from the office of the wonderful, the amazing Sharon Fitzsimmons. So welcome to the bandroom. Thank you. I'm very excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, I think you're no stranger to uh, the Ontario uh, music scene and nationally also uh, you're, you're quite uh, well known. Um, and I've known you as a friend and colleague for, I guess, three or four years yeah, now, yeah. Um, but I've never gotten a chance to ask you any of these questions really <laughs> so i fire I th- away <laughs> so i think we're looking forward to this so uh here we are in midhurst this is kind of on the uh, outside of barry ontario um, and is this where you were brought up is this where no. you were born i was born in toronto actually oh, the and smoke. then at three years old i moved up to waverly which is just north of barry and south of midland a little very little tiny um part of ontario and Went to high school in Midland, and then went to U of T after that. Wonderful. And did you come from a musical family? Well, my mom, I think, if she had had the right opportunities, probably could have been something to do with opera, because she had a fantastic operatic voice. And all during my childhood, she, you know, sang at weddings, at funerals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my dad had no musical training, but he loved music. He loved the swing era. Mm He loved Broadway musicals, so we were we were, we were brought up with um, you know Benny Goodman and all the musicals. I could probably go from one <laughs> musical to another and know exactly the order they were in. Right. So, but they always supported me in my musical endeavors. Okay. <clears throat> and then, how what what was the push for you to um, go and study music, even at the uh, you know elementary, junior high? Yeah. Uh, well, there was a there was a piano teacher. Okay. In uh, 
Elmvale, which is close to Waverly, and started like when I was maybe six or seven, just little tunes. And then she said, oh, I think she's too good for me. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Anyways, so I went to another teacher, and every Monday night, come rain or shine or snow or hail or whatever, my mom would take me to Hillsdale for piano lessons. And so I did piano from that time on, got my grade nine eventually, or grade 10. And yeah, so piano was my first start. And then you upgraded. Then I upgraded to <laughs> clarinet. <laughs> to clarinet. This is the second time. So last, <clears throat> uh, the last guest was Kate Nishimara and also was a clarinet player at first. But can I she... tell you something, John? <laughs> yes. When I went into high school. Please say trumpet. Please say trumpet. I said, I want to play trumpet. And our teacher at that time said, no girls would be playing trumpet in our band. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was pretty well devastated. Anyways, I still wanted to do it. So I said, okay, then I'll play clarinet. Okay. <clears throat> so it was like a second choice, you know. Anyways, so I played in the band clarinet all mm-hmm. my high school years. Yep. And uh, which high school did you go to? Midland Secondary. Okay. And who was the teacher there? Bill Bartlett. Bill Bartlett. That sounds like a familiar name to me. Because he went to PEI University. <laughs> yes. I'm from PEI. So I, I know Bill Bartlett uh, and heard his name growing up. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. he was the one that really encouraged me and taught me actually privately for a while mm-hmm. on clarinet when I was applying to go to university. Right. Wow. Okay. My world. Yeah. And then whenever you were in high school, um, did you get a chance to take the lead, be it uh, as a conductor or as a section leader kind of? Um, no, not in that. I was never a conductor, but I always played first clarinet. Right. Okay. And, you know, so I had that leadership and I taught a lot of the younger kids. Right. Um, you know, beginners. So I had a really like a roster of kids I was teaching after school. Okay. Clarinet. And then there was a a moment that you said, well, it's time to go. I was in grade 13. I always wanted to be a teacher. Right. Always. And I thought I was going to be an English teacher. So after my first exam, I got a really bad mark, like probably 70, which is not a really bad (laughs) mark, but still, for me, it was. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this is not for me. And I already had my grade 8 clarinet, my grade 9 piano, all the theory and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, hmm, I love music. I think I'll go into music. And my teacher at that time, who you already mentioned, (laughs) said, oh, Sharon, you shouldn't go. There's nothing for women in music education. I showed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you ever? I think we're all we're all very grateful. <laughs> Anyways, um, he did support me because he taught me everything. Right. And that was when you could get in at, to U of T. You didn't have to audition. Oh, you yeah. just had to have really good marks or good marks and right. uh, have the qualifications of grade eight. Right. And because I already had my piano as well, they said you can either go on a clarinet or on piano. And I thought, yeah. I want to do band. I want to teach band. Right. So I did clarinet as my major. Okay, wonderful. And then at that time at U of T, who was the uh, the wind ensemble or concert band director? Robert A. Rosevier. Robert A. Rosevier. And uh, he he really he was really great with me because my family did not have a lot of money mm-hmm. finances, and he immediately says, "Sharon, I want you to be the secretary of the concert band," right. meaning that I would take the attendance. And uh, he says, we can give you this much for doing it for the year. And at that time, I was like, 
okay, I can do that. I can put in a absent or present, not a problem. And I had that job for like four years. Okay. So he was really great. And we had um, Ward Cole was another one of our um, directors as well. Right. At that time, there was not a wind ensemble. No. It was repertory band okay. or symphonic band. Oh. And I had spent one year in repertory, not spent, I was one year in repertory band, which was sort of like the, Beginning, not beginning band, but one that prepared you to go into symphonic band. And then my last three years were in symphonic band. Wow. Okay. And um, it was it the same kind of, well, it's a little, it's quite different now, actually, how the, the music education degree is kind of set up. But was, did you, so did you go do your, like your four years or five years at U of T and then OISE kind of? I did four years at U of T and then I did my. Um, one year at that time oh, yeah. teacher's college at University of Toronto oh, okay yeah great and uh, I think it is quite a bit different because I did I learned how to play all the instruments all the strings all the winds and we had to be at about a grade four to six level okay. by the time we finished each so I did get to do trumpet finally oh, good <laughs> God's instrument so that's uh, you know <laughs> yeah I'm right glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that got to happen uh, <laughs> uh, but uh and then, okay, well, then you graduated, so that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was it right to where we are? Because um, I know most people know that you had quite a prolific career as the uh, the band director and music teacher at, at Barry North. Right. 35 years, was it? 30. 30 years. So I graduated. I'm just overselling it here. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated from, uh, well, Teachers College, and then that... I was one of the first in my class to get a job, yeah. and it was at Barry North. Um, this so Barry North was your first job, and only job. Wow, I know. that is amazing. Which would not happen these yeah. days, I don't think. Yeah, you know, but they had canceled the music program at Barry North for two years because mm-hmm. <clears throat> it had sort of, I guess, wasn't handled well. Anyways, right. so the the principal at that time said, "Okay, I think we're going to take a chance on you." And I had worked. As a student teacher, being a student teacher of W.A. Fisher from Barry Central Collegiate, and both of the principals, the, the principal of Barry North, his kids went to Barry Central, okay. so there was that connection. Right. And W.A., thank you very much, <laughs> said, "Yeah, I would hire her in a minute." Right. So I thought, okay, this is my job. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So when you got there, open the doors. There were, mm-hmm. were there instruments? Were there, there were kids? instruments. Um, I had to teach English okay. for three sections, and there was two grade nine classes of rank beginners, and then a grade 11 class of kids who had sort of held on. Maybe they played in cadet band or played something. So it was a bit of a scary start, but I was ready. I, like, I, I wanted to do this, and right. I was ready to put my life on hold <laughs> to right. make this program happen. Right. And uh, it was um, exciting. I had total support from everybody on staff. Really wanted this to happen. Right. So, and um, I, as we as we mentioned before, the mics were turned on. Finally, it took a while <laughs> to get that going. Uh, but I was I just came from uh, a band retreat of Dan Austin mm-hmm. at Guelph Collegiate, and uh, we were actually talking exactly about this uh, last night. Um, but like, you know, you get your first job, and 
it's i think in some of our heads we want to do you know level you know b500 right yeah. away so would you mind talking about just kind of maybe the steps that you took whenever to build that program up to like the award-winning program it ended up being yeah it, as i said it was a lot of work like i sort of committed my life for five years of building it and i taught a lot of the kids privately after school and at oh, okay. night um, and working on conservatory just get to get their skill level up and I never was like if we did level 100 wasn't called that back in the day it was just you know simpler music whatever and I always try to challenge them but also gave them something that I knew that they they would be successful at right away mm -hmm. but there was always something there and within about I'd say four or five years we were we were doing Vaughn Williams and Holst because those kids had the technical skills from the lessons that I gave for free. Like when you think of it back, I think, wow. <laughs> but I was determined to make a a success of this program, right. and I love teaching. And you know, what can I say? Uh, that music educator heart gets us every time. I know. <laughs> like money? Uh, who cares? I know. Uh, we, should, we should we should talk quieter <laughs> about that. Maybe I don't know. Uh, okay, so uh, while whilst at Barry North, what were what was some of your, like your biggest highlights, or what were you most proud of? I was proud of, um, I think, commissioning some Canadian composers to do works for the bands, like right. um, Andre Jutra, Don Coakley, Nancy Telfer, etc. And that was a great experience because they all came and worked with the kids mm -hmm. and used their ideas to put in the compositions. That was great. Um, <sighs> I didn't really want to go into competition. Right. Oh. And then with Music Fest and the Stage Band Festival before yep. it became like concert band, I put my concert or stage bands in and I had great adjudicators. Like, for example, Paul Reed, he was so kind <laughs> to me because very first Stage Band Festival, there I was up conducting the Stage Band with a baton. Yes. And so... Paul very nicely came up after me. Says, Took it and snapped it. <laughs> and he said, Sharon, don't use a baton when you're conducting jazz band. He said, I said, oh, okay, <laughs> fine. He says, they can do a lot that you don't think they can do without right. you being there yeah. directing them. So that was the really, it wasn't my forte, mm -hmm. but the kids really wanted a jazz band. And so, of course, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Right. Um, and then two years later, we hired a person who was very fi fine at uh, jazz and mm -hmm. he took over which is okay with me right uh other great things <clears throat> then we went into music fest nationals i did a, i coordinated a lot of regional festivals right um and that was really great because i got to know a lot of the adjudicators mm -hmm. you know and they became friends yeah. lifelong friends actually and then in i think it was 92 1992 um, we went to Halifax as a concert band right. in the concert band division, and it was our first gold. It was like, oh, and the, back in those days, Dylan, everybody gathered in the huge conference area, right. and they named alphabetically all the awards in front of everyone. Oh, uh, my Barry North, are sweaty right now. <laughs> Barry North was one of the first ones, right? Right. So there was something like, whatever, Alberta wins or yeah. something. And then Barry North, and it was like cold. And it was like, <laughs> the feel. I can still feel that feeling because we had worked so hard. And I really took everything the adjudicators had said up to that point 
and really try to work on it, especially mm-hmm. the whole dynamics and right. the whole feel of the music, getting the style right, and to have finally some, okay. Right. So it was cool. Well, it's it's so nice to hear, um, well, we're going to talk about it later, but it's so nice to hear you talk about the kind of the purpose of the competition yeah. and how um, I think in some, in some times um, we become athletes in not the greatest sense and it's about winning it's about winning but just reiterating how important it is to take what the adjudicators saying um and maybe you know maybe it won't work maybe it will but just listening and and trying it with your group and uh and kind of allowing yourself to grow is a wonderful thing and also the conductor's video i learned so much i was scared to watch it actually the first one i was like okay right but I learned so much, like I was mouthing everything I did, right. didn't know. And he says, I think you're singing with the band. That means that you're really not hearing the band. You're right. hearing yourself, what you hope the band will be doing. And I thought, yeah, okay. So really I didn't tape my mouth shut or anything, but I really learned from that, that you can do more just without right. that. Yeah, that, that's some painful stuff, watching yourself conduct totally. like a strong drink. <laughs> Put the, put the tape in, in. let's do this locked room <laughs> yes with a pillow you can scream into great great <laughs> uh, right. uh, well maybe on the opposite side of that spectrum um were there things at barry that that you were like hmm, i wonder if i could have done that a little better or things you you wanted to do and didn't get to do yeah i think um one of the learning things i i learned along the way and that I kept reflecting on was that if something is not working continually like a, a piece that you really love but is just not right for that ensemble, you have to have, you can't just keep belaboring it and hope it's going to work because it probably won't. Right. And it's not the group for that. And I learned that at the hard way a couple of times thinking, oh, I really love this piece. I want to do it. But the, it was just not the right ensemble for it so that was one thing that i i learned along the way right looking reflecting back sure there was times where i thought well i could have done that better especially when i started teaching vocal i mm-hmm. that was sort of my second thing that i when i was in the early 90s i thought i wanted i want to have a choral music program here right. too so i went and studied etc cetera, etc cetera. And that is a whole learning experience oh, on itself. Yes. Very could, different. You could have than... brought your mother in. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> she would have loved that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I don't think there's anything in particular. Like, I learned along the yeah, way yeah. and then yeah. try to correct it. Yeah. Okay, great. And then uh, I guess it, it, must, it must have been during that time at Barry North that you your involvement with the OMEA began, which is yeah. another a very you know tenured position that you had. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. It, it sort of opened up the whole country to me because I was on the CMEA board for a while. And uh, as president, you get to travel, you right. know, as president. It was, I met fantastic people all along during that whole journey. Um, I did regional um, conferences, mm-hmm. like in Barrie, we had one that I organized. And then I did the first one that was up at Deerhurst. I was a chair of that and have been involved giving clinics and all that over right. the years uh during the presidential reign or for two, <laughs> for, rain. for, uh, for two years it was great and i i reflect back on that and i think i thank my mother because she was very involved with politics and mm-hmm. she knew how to run a meeting 
Right. You know, like you start at the time, people start chatting. You know, I was, I was a real teacher. Right. <laughs> I would say, okay, thank you very much. Now <laughs> let's go on. But we got yeah. a lot done. Yeah. And then I was the editor recorder for many, many years as well. Right. And that was a great experience. The whole OMEA, if music teachers aren't a part of it, you're missing out yeah. on a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it really tells you what's happening across Canada, too. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. And it was actually, Don, you're going to like this. When I was president, they sent me out to BC mm-hmm. for the CMEA conference. And guess who was there? Bill Bartlett. Oh, man. Bill and I, was, and yeah. he said to me, he says, you've done really well, Sharon. I said, thank you. I, <laughs> I just said, thank oh, you. I remember. Yeah, you told me the story. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, even just that little thing. Just you know, yeah. well, not. I don't want to say proving someone wrong. But, no, but, but he, yeah, I had proven myself. Of, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. Just just in case um, people are wondering, what is OMEA? Because I know there's some listeners from the states, and there's listen, there's someone from Taiwan who listens, mm. uh, and uh, all over the world. And that's just this is just our provincial um, uh, music educator uh, organization, the Ontario Music Educator Association, which it also should be said is celebrating 100 years mm-hmm. this year, Opus 100, uh, and that's going to be happening in November. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, it goes over a couple of days, and both Sharon and myself will be presenting this year, um, I believe, Sharon, you're presenting on uh, kind of the What adjudicator. the adjudicator wants to hear and see. Right. Yeah, so that that is not to be missed, and then mine could be missed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, mine's no, just... I'll be going to it. Teach- oh. I'll be in the cheering section. Oh, great. Is that what they call it? <laughs> Turning the tomatoes. nervous section. That's what I call it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So that should be a, a wonderful event, um, and it's a wonderful time not to only hear presentations, but to um, talk to colleagues and hear what they're doing. And if that's not enough, to hear um, honor ensembles um, such as the Ontario um, Honor Band, which this year is conducted by Jason Castler, and I go on and on. And Julian McKay is going to be at the U of T Wind Ensemble, and there's so much going on. So we it's just a great way to yeah. network with so many people and yeah. see all your friends from past, present, future. It's great. Yeah, it's great. And these are the people that will be with you, like it or not, the rest of your life, the rest <laughs> of your career. <laughs> um, okay, great. So, uh, and I guess we should kind of talk about how we met um, because mm-hmm. uh, Collingwood. Uh, music fest um, which is a, a regional band festival here in um, Ontario and it was you myself and Colin Clark were adjudicating mm-hmm. and ever since then just we the best of friends, friends. Yeah. yes that's great I have Sharon's coffee mug in my <laughs> in my kitchen actually that's how friends that's how much oh, anyway okay so um, but we met as a, adjudicators so we, I was wondering if you could talk about kind of how you came from being you know, a, a public school music educator into um, the adjudicator kind of seat. Well, I knew, like, as I was getting near to retirement, like maybe five or six years before, I le- that I wanted to continue doing what I've been doing, but n- not in the same venue, of course. And um, so I applied to be a, a adjudicator or an examiner for the Royal Conservatory of Music mm-hmm. and was accepted. That was great. And then a fellow by the name of Bruce Porter, who some of you are listening probably uh, remember from being a big part of um, the industry. He said, Sharon, how would you like to adjudicate up in Sudbury, Ontario? I thought, oh, 
Okay. And I was about three years before I was going to retire. And he drove a van up when there was two of us in it. And it was a great experience. And since that time, I guess I made a good impression. I was being hired, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when I retired, that first year I said yes too many times to adjudicating and doing workshops, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know... (laughs) I retired for a reason that I wanted to have more time <laughs> for family, etc. Yeah. Um, and then it just grew from that. After about ten years, I said I had done enough examining for the conservatory. I just got tired of going, um, you know, all over and hearing a lot of the same things. But yeah. I loved doing workshops, working with bands, um, trying to get them better, giving right. them the next steps, and then a lot of more adjudicating. And then I was asked to. I'd done many, many years adjudicating at nationals. Okay. And then finally was asked if I'd like to be chair okay. of the concert band division, which is pretty cool too. Yeah. Which I get to meet even more adjudicators and they yeah. become friends. It's a whole network. I always say to young teachers, you've got to network. You've got to make connections mm-hmm. all around the, you know, the country. Right. And um, yeah. Okay. It's been great. And maybe before we talk about uh, music fest, uh, <clears throat> and this might maybe you're going to give away too much of your your fine presentation at OMEA, but <laughs> I was wondering what are some maybe a couple things that you as an adjudicator kind of listen for um, in, a, in a in a school ensemble or any ensemble that yeah. you're adjudicating. I think the biggest one I listen to is balance. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many bands that play really really loud, and you cannot tell who has the melody, like who has not the melody and everything sounds like a blast of sound so there's not a balance between what is the sort of backup band to the major attraction Mm -hmm. and then how that goes throughout so that's a big one that's to me that's a really big one so balance and the blend the blend of voices Mm -hmm. um i think is also a very big of course we want right notes right rhythms (laughs) that's a given but if i had to really pinpoint things i really separates the say bronze from the silver from the gold is those two things mm-hmm. primarily okay yeah yeah i think that'll be you know some of that stuff is helpful for for our, our teacher friends who are listening sometimes even though we know it's not about winning but just showing your kids what they're capable of yeah. and it's nice when you're doing a clinic and you stress that with kids and all of a sudden it's like oh okay that's yeah. where the mel- the trumpets at the melody or the flutes but you know um it's just it's an easy thing that you can really make a big difference. Right, right. I think one of your questions was, or is going to be about <laughs> what makes a good or a great. Yeah. There are a lot of, so I'm just jumping in here and talking yeah, don't <laughs> this mind right me. now. Just go through the list. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I say there are a lot of good performances. Yes. There are some that are great. And I think what makes a performance really great is that the kids have taken ownership of the whole piece. They've embodied it in their very being and there's a sort of a soul to the whole piece i remember one in particular and it was a composition by a friend of ours jonathan dagenet mm-hmm. and it was called uh, polytechnique mm-hmm. and it's very very emotional piece it's like it just draws you in yeah. and i remember i heard it in ottawa by a band that always does a fine performance and i'm thinking okay this is going to be tough to pull off because it's so delicate and so moving but it was one of those ones where the all the adjudicators put down their pencils and just listened 
It was like magic because mm-hmm. every student, I think, had embodied the whole spirit that Jonathan wrote it in. Right. And it just, <laughs> like at the end, everybody in the audience just rose. There was silence right after it finished because it's very, very moving ending. And then all, you know, adjudicators were on their feet and it was like, it was just so great. And I think those are the special moments. And I'm thinking of all my teaching career. There have been a few of those where I thought, okay, this cannot get any better Mm -hmm. than this. And that's magical for a conductor. And as an adjudicator, it's just... Wonderful to hear that. Yeah. I think you've had a few of those, haven't I've you? Had, oh, <laughs> yes. You were there for one. I actually ended up in the newspaper. Band <laughs> makes adjudicator cry. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's just something that you just... And I know when I do workshops, I often say there's got to be a warmth of tone. It's all about tone, color, and the warmth of sound. And how are you going to get that? Well, you, of course, you go from the deep end and mm-hmm. work up and get that same sort of hug, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's... Yeah. Pretty impressive when you hear a great performance by a young band. Yes, oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. And especially realizing, at least, because I, you know, I had one of those moments when I was in high school and how, impa- like, I will never forget it. Yeah. Like, we were all, it was in Newark, um, Newark, New Jersey, I guess. Um, and we were all on stage playing O Magnum Mysterium and oh, just. That's such had, a lovely. And then the, the adjudicator was, um, they call him Dr. Tim. Uh, oh, Tim Lothner? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and he, you know, he was telling us things and and told us to, you know, have a mental image when we get to the, the, the big moment in the piece. And we just all like broke down crying when it, when it reached that. And now it's, it's just one of those things you'll never, yeah. never forget. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about your uh, involvement uh, with Music Fest Canada, mm-hmm. um, where I think a lot of people know you from um, because you're you're there every year. So when did that start? Um. I think I did my first... Uh, as, sorry, when did it start as chair? Oh, uh, this will be my sixth year as chair okay. of the Contraband Division. And um, it's been great. Yeah. I miss adjudicating. So I sort of sometimes when an adjudicator is not feeling well or yeah, they're no, late, so I can say, oh, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can sit down. I can right. actually be one of the gang again. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, um, it's a different sort of responsibility. But I get to meet all the directors, which is right. great. And I get to meet... A lot of the students and sort of problem solve if there's you know some issues mm-hmm. i met some great adjudicators that i would never have met before right. and um and it's sort of like a family the whole music fest scene mm-hmm. the people who are back year after year the new people that come in are accepted and no it's just a great it's a great canadian festival yeah and this year we're in calgary yeah which, which gonna is going to be really exciting yeah because it's been in Ontario for quite mm-hmm. the past couple of years anyway. Um, and one thing I wanted to talk about um, with uh, Music Fest Canada, and I don't know if you started this, you can tell me, um, but this this wonderful um, kind of program that I don't know if how many, because I, oh, yes. I think I had only, because they handed out the, the, the flyers came out recently yeah. and this uh, adjudicator shadowing program. Yeah. Would you mind talking about that? Sure. I was part of a shadowing program at the Ottawa Capital Region Festival okay two or three years ago and I thought well we could do this at the national level and so I put it out last year for directors who would like to come in and they for a morning or afternoon or an evening they shadow an adjudicator and the adjudicators are all asked if they want to be part of this and everybody of course says sure yeah not a problem so you sit close to the adjudicators panel and um, then after when you're walking to the 
clinic room, <coughs> the clinic room, uh, you're chatting with the adjudicator. And then after he's done the clinic and you've watched the, the directors watch this, they can ask, well, how did, how, how did you do that? Or why did you do that? And, oh, that was great. I learned, I really learned from that. You learned, it's like an education really. It's like PD. Right. Yeah. And, um, I think all the adjudicators who were part of it and the directors all said, wow, that was great. Okay. It was just um, a whole professional development on a more personal level. You're not with everybody else. You're just you and the adjudicator. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And if and if there's um, high school teachers or junior high, if there's teachers that want to get involved with that, do they just email you? Email me. I've already had two people okay. already say, I want to do it this year. And really, I have to, when we have to get the schedule, then I say, well, right. when can you do it? And all that sort of stuff. And yeah. we set up a schedule for that. Wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Oh, Another thing that maybe you don't know, Dylan, yep. is that when I first became chair of the concert band division, one thing that became really important to me and to the, a lot of the adjudicators on the panel was that we're a Canadian festival. We should have yes, the... Canadian content. So... I'm so used to as a public, or as a high school teacher <laughs> fighting for everything. Right. So I had all my reasons why this and all this sort of stuff. So I go to the board of directors meeting and I say, okay, I think that from now on we should have a requirement being a piece by a Canadian composer. And I started off saying a few things and then I said, are there any questions? And then they said, no, that sounds like a great idea, Sharon. Go ahead. I said, okay. Wow. <laughs> this is <laughs> fast. And we had a two-year grace period for people to get okay. used to it. Yeah. And but I think we have so many wonderful Canadian compositions mm-hmm. that were a Canadian festival should happen. Yep. No, it's you know? good. And that that um, that syllabus, the the list of repertoire, can be found on the Music Fest Canada website. And it's actually it's a it's a resource that I use quite often yeah. um, with if I'm doing honor band or if I'm doing you know even with my college kids. Um, just you know it it kind of it's a good starting point. To, um, for you to kind of find some good repertoire that is, you know, backed and recommended by some of the best. So. At every level too. Yeah. It's not just the 500. Yeah. It's 100 like 100 up. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a really great thing. Speaking of recommended and being the best and all that, we're sitting here in your office surrounded by all of the books you wrote. <laughs> we, you could use these as dinner plates. There's so many of them. <laughs> well, not no, <laughs> but I, I, I had known that, uh, Sharon was an author, but whenever <laughs> we were preparing for the the podcast, the interview, um, I asked uh, Sharon, "What's the name of your book?" And she, she says, oh, "Which one? I have four. So, <laughs> so uh, what, when did that start? As I knew that I knew I wanted to write something as soon as I retired because I did set up quite a few programs at Barry North, like how to set up a band parents association, et cetera, et cetera, right. <clears throat> how to run a rehearsal. I thought, I've got to get these down because I think they're useful for young teachers. Um, so I did a book um, with the help of a former student of mine who was sort of into publishing, okay. and he kept saying, Sharon, when's this book coming out? When's right. this? So I wrote Just One More Time because as a music director, does that really mean Just One More Time? No. Uh, no. Well, not for you, Sharon <laughs> Simmons. <laughs> anyway, so I just um, I put a book together, and uh, it was everybody loved it. And I thought because it was practical, it was not like everything in it I'd either done mm-hmm. or I knew it worked. Right. Right. And then a couple of years after, I thought, oh, 
I wasn't bored or anything, but I thought <laughs> one very important thing that I did with my students right from the get-go is we did a lot of listening. We Every day we did some listening of all different types of music. You name it, we listened to it. Mm-hmm. Kids would bring in their... their um, uh, things that we'd listen to, and we'd always have directed listening, and it was great. And I've had so many students say, I go to a concert now because we listen to this, or mm-hmm. I love jazz. I didn't even know I loved it until I heard it, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, it's a skill for life. Yep. Think about it when you um, leave high school, maybe 10 20%, if you're lucky, continue to play their instruments. Yeah. To sing, maybe a bit higher, maybe sing. But to listen, I'd say 100%, (laughs) right? So if you can teach uh, people how to listen more acutely and um, get more out of it, then I think you give them the skill for life. So I wrote a book called An Earful, which was going from the elements of music, how to listen to it, and I had a CD that went with it. And I did a presentation at OMEA, and people were just like, get this book, get this book. I made 50 copies thinking, oh, if I sell 50, that'll be great. Well, I think I sold after probably about 500 copies because it was practical. They could go in and use it the next day. Yeah. You know, and um, even now I get requests. There's no more printing going on. (laughs) It's done. And CDs now, pretty well thing of the past. Um, And then I, that was those two years. And then I thought, I still had a filing cabinet filled with lessons. Right. that I had used. Then I contacted a lot of my friends and said, if you have something that you'd like in this book, it's called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. <laughs> and really it had everything from elementary to secondary to band to choral to jazz to whatever. Yeah. Um, and I went through <clears throat> my phone cabinet and I went, this lesson would still work, like a multicultural right. lesson, etc. Fortunately for me, I have a daughter who is a graphic designer. Okay. And it's actually made me look good. <laughs> because she would look at a picture and say, oh, mom, no way. <laughs> I've got to make this a bit more. Right. You know. So that was that. And then my last little adventure was just a little pocketbook called um, It Made Me Laugh, Made Me Cry, Stories from the Music Room. Okay. And it's like those emotional, right. yet and some funny. Anyways, yeah, it was a bit of an adventure. And uh I enjoyed it, and I feel that a lot of people got a lot out of the books, especially okay. the first three. Right. And so you mentioned that some of them, are they all at, you can't get them now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a <laughs> slight hesitation there. I might have one copy left. Okay. <laughs> so you heard it here, folks. You have to go, I don't know. You have to really beg. Yeah. Um, I guess, but anyway. Yeah. No, it it's... was a very successful venture, yeah. and uh, a lot of people... Even now, say I've lost a CD. Can you get me another one? <laughs> well, I still have all those. So right. We're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And I think maybe maybe our, our last question here that we'll ask um, is there maybe one? I'll say one piece of advice, a wisdom, a little chunk of wisdom that you could give um, kind of a young music educator entering the game for the first time. I was thinking about this, and I think. I think you've got to think of your students not just as playing the clarinet or the trumpet or whatever, but they're people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have lives. And um, I know I got the most appreciation from parents when, say, a kid <clears throat> was not doing well and then all of a sudden did better on a test. 
And I would sometimes just phone the parents and say, wow, I see a real improvement in da da da. And she said, oh, thank you so much for calling, you know, like a little bit of <laughs> goodness there. And, and things like even like a kid is getting their wisdom teeth out and phoning home and saying, right. how is whatever. And I think that is, I think that's what's made me have so many of my students become my friends after because I really did care about them. Mm-hmm. Not just as a performer, right. but as a person. And I think it's a, everybody likes to be noticed. Yeah. And if you can say hi to a kid in the hall, hi, how are you doing? Um, really like the jacket you've got on or anything like that. It just validates them a bit. And I think that, well, I think it's not about being a music teacher. It's about being a good person. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think that's yeah. the thing. I just don't forget in the hurt, everything that you're doing, that... You can make a difference in somebody's life by just a little word or, you know, just saying good good job. Or right. I was big on stickers. Stickers. You know, if, if <laughs> anybody Timmy's got, a got good... five on his forehead. <laughs> no, <laughs> I actually, they, if I didn't put a sticker on a perfect paper, they would come and say, right. What's where's up? the sticker? <laughs> and this is like kids in grade 12. It's yeah. not... <laughs> so it's this uh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What's, so well, I think there's... Um, well, first of all, like very, that's an amazing piece of wisdom to share with with uh, some of our music educator friends, and I don't think there's anyone um, out there that has met you that would say that you are not a good person, because I, from everyone that I I talk to, um, only wonderful things to say about you, Sharon Fitzsimmons, um, and just thank you for everything you've done for the Ontario. Uh, music scene and for the nationally and um and that you continue to do um it's been such a treat um to meet you and i and i'm so happy and honored to call you my friend and my colleague and even <laughs> my mentor in Aww, ways so, so it's nice a, it's it's been a treat so thank you so much for taking this time and opening up your office which is now the band room <laughs> but uh, so thanks so much sharon you're quite welcome my honor There you go. One of my favorite people to talk to, Sharon Fitzsimmons. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and can use some of Sharon's wealth of knowledge and put it into practice. Thanks again to Sharon for sharing her wealth of knowledge and experience as a music educator with us in the band room today. And thanks to all of you that could stop by and listen. If you want to learn more, I've attached links to the show notes found on our website, www.dylanrookmaddox.thebandroom.com where you can find out more about Sharon, things we've discussed, and the music used for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to The Bandroom Podcast and give us a rating and a review and tell your friends just how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming a patron with Patreon helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up with what's on the go. And if you have any thoughts on today's episode or have ideas for future episodes, leave me a comment on our website or even cooler, no one has done this yet, 
leave me a voicemail on our new hosting website, anchor.fm. Please tune in next month when I have the great opportunity to interview the new director of wind ensembles at Arizona State University, Dr. Jason Kassler. Thanks again, and see you next time in the band room. Thank you.